Parallel Quest is a podcast of Steel Lake Studio. Please be sure to head over to our website, steellakestudio.com, where you can find out a little bit more about us. Today's episode of Parallel Quest we are calling a bonus quest episode because we aren't necessarily doing our normal format. Today we are having a discussion and review of the documentary The Social Dilemma. This is something that both Zach and I watched and just thought it was something that we should talk about. We brought on one of our friends, Josh, to talk about the documentary with us as well because he's a guy who has a lot of experience studying this stuff and has a very good perspective on social media. We hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Let us know if you enjoy this format and if it is something you would like to see us do more of in the future, having more of a discussion over a documentary or more of a harder analysis of a story or whatever you'd like us to do going forward. Let us know and we would love to hear from you. But wait no longer for this bonus episode of Parallel Quest. Welcome to Parallel Quest, a podcast where two friends talk about the stories we love and share the personal stories of the impact they've had on our lives. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and alongside, or maybe more accurately said, across the internet from me, my great friend and co-host, Zach Butler. Zach, how are you today? I'm doing great, man, and I've got a guest on today, dude. We do, and on the other side of the other side of the internet, my great friend and the one and only, Josh Fauzi. Hello. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing really good today. It's a Monday. It's Parallel Quest recording day. I'm feeling good. Um, and for those of you listening today, we're gonna do a little. We're gonna do a little introduction to Josh and. Uh, so for those of you who are tuning in because you know Josh, well, you know who he is. But to me, Josh is a, is a close friend, and uh, he is also known as He Got Game uh, by his nickname. So, Josh, <laughs> do you want to explain why we call you Josh, He Got Game, Fauzi? Oh, it's not that complicated of a story. I remember. But it's a great story. Okay. You might remember it completely different than me then. Cause we were in <laughs> high school. Yeah, we were in high school. We we're at church. We we're doing something called quiz team. So for the non-church people, it's essentially at, you get a bunch of teenagers together, you give them a book of the Bible or part of the Bible, they study it for God knows how long. And then they go and they do essentially a live quiz show against other churches, groups of teenagers for the title of quiz team championships. And Cody and I were on the same team. And I remember our youth pastor at the time, whose name is Brian, uh, was introducing us to the congregation. And he was coming up with nicknames for everybody. And I have no idea how he came up with the nickname. He got game for me, but that's <laughs> what stuck. <laughs> that's what stuck, what, man. Was this the, this was the pastor? 
Yeah, it was the youth pastor. Yeah, dude, youth yeah. pastors. I feel like when you are training to become a youth pastor, there's like this whole course you have to take about like just being a complete goofball and like just being kind of corny how you connect with kids but at the same time it's like the kids are gonna love you if you do this like i just feel like every youth pastor i've ever met always has nicknames that they just make up on the spot like even my youth pastor for when i was growing up like just like i i had the nickname of like like goober goomba so i don't know it was just like <laughs> it doesn't even make sense like i don't know why and like he just he had names for everybody and i just feel like if you are a youth pastor like you take a course on like this is how you connect with kids you give them weird names and it sticks with yeah. them <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's true uh that course really does exist doesn't and it then, really cody yeah take- you would know yeah, yeah, you then, went to Bible school. Then you take like real classes like systematic theology where basically we look around and we see if there's any youth pastors in the room, do a quick survey, and then just make fun of all of them <laughs> once we realize none of them are there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That doesn't really happen. That doesn't happen. But uh, it, it wasn't it is- a, You want to hear something interesting, though? Yeah. It wasn't until later that I found out that He Got Game is actually a movie. Yeah, with Denzel Washington, it is, man. Yeah. Which I have yet to see. I have still what? not seen that movie. Which I it's thought crazy. that was going to be the reference. So <laughs> even better well, that you haven't seen that I, movie. I think that's where he pulled it from. That's definitely where it came from. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> which I have no idea why, because I wasn't that good at basketball. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it's been, what, 10 years now, and I still haven't seen the movie? Man, that's that's a long time. Yeah. You gotta go watch. You that. gotta see it, man. As I don't soon know. as we're done here, as soon as we're done here. But guys, I just want you to uh, all of you listening out there, give Josh a big welcome. You know, give him a little tip of the cap, round of applause, whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast. If you're gonna freak people out around you, do it. Do it for the sake of Josh. You know, mm-hmm. he's a good guy. Uh, be weird for a second. Clap your hands. Give him a thumbs up. And uh, we're gonna get going on with this episode, Zach. I want to know what's going on in your life here. What is this magical treasure that you have unearthed? Oh, so this this treasure actually was a gift from my brother-in-law last year for Christmas. And it is probably my favorite gift I've ever received for two reasons. First, this gift is a lebron james rookie card legit lebron james rookie card it's in this like plastic casing it's got him in this awesome white suit with him holding the jersey number 23 cleveland cavaliers jersey just goofy grin on his face looks so young he's 18 years old and my brother-in-law gave this to me and so first of all why it's my favorite gift it's the cleveland cavaliers and i love the Cavs. Love LeBron James. I'm kind of a Lakers fan right now, but I'm more of a LeBron James fan. Um, but I I love the card because, first of all, it's Cleveland. And second of all, this was like his fa- – I mean, this is a big thing to gift somebody. Like a LeBron James – I mean, whenever you talk about basketball, dude, it's LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, LeBron James – Like they're always discussed, man. And this is his rookie card. And for those who don't collect cards, the rookie card is 
is like gold. It is, they only make so many. And it's like, when you get the rookie card, you, when you first, when they print them, you have no idea if this person's going to end up being a good player or not. I mean, LeBron James right. is kind of a rare case. You kind of knew he was going to be awesome, but you don't know how awesome he's going to be or how good they're going to be. So having a rookie card of a famous athlete, like a star athlete is you're not only sitting on probably at times tens of thousands of dollars, but you're also just sitting on a treasure. So anyways, I had this card displayed on my bookcase downstairs. And the other week I was getting into bed and Leah, my wife, was like, hey, where's that LeBron James rookie card? And my stomach just like dropped, dude. I was like, it's downstairs where it's always been. And she's like, no, I was down there and I didn't see it on the bookshelf where you keep it. And dude, here's the thing. The reason why I felt so bad is because earlier, so I got I got defensive because earlier that day, I was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I was thinking about our wedding and I was thinking about the fact that my mom had given Leah this like, I don't even know what you call it. It's like this uh, fabric cloth thing. I don't even know what it is, but it's it was like given to my mom from her grandma and like her grandma was given it to, like it was just this generational like piece of cloth. So mm -hmm. it was really important. And so I was thinking about that earlier. So when Leah asked me where my LeBron James rookie card was, I immediately got defensive and I was like, well, where's your little cloth thing that was given to you by my mom? <laughs> like, you know, try to turn it on her. And she was like, well, it's in the basement in a, in a tote down there. I'm like, yeah, sure it is. And so she goes, she gets out of bed, goes downstairs, gets it out. It brings it upstairs. Like, dude, she knew exactly where it was. And I immediately was embarrassed. I was like, oh, shoot. She, like, that she didn't work. Exact <laughs> that did not work at all. <laughs> and she's like, well, maybe you're a little. And she was so nice about it, too. She's like, well, you're right. It probably shouldn't be in the tote. I'll keep it up here. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, well, where's that LeBron James card? <laughs> and dude, I, okay. So this was like weeks ago. This was like two weeks ago. And. I, I kind of looked for it, but my immediate like defense was somebody stole it. And Leo's like, who would steal that card? I'm like, who wouldn't steal that card? It's the best card. Like <laughs> anybody would walk in here and steal a LeBron James rookie card. Even if you don't even like basketball. Like I was convinced it was stolen because I don't, I don't really lose things, but I kind of do. I'm like, and I don't, I'm not a forgetful person, but like, I'll just, I'll leave something around the house and then I'll forget it's there and eventually it disappears. But I don't, like, I'm not a habitual, like, loser of my things. So I was like, this LeBron James rookie card has been stolen. I know it has been. And so today, I, I on our notes here, I say finding my LeBron James. Well, I didn't really find it. My wife was deep cleaning our living room and she pulled all of my books off of my bookshelf, which I... I claimed that I'd looked through them all. I I gave it a, a perfunctory like glance <laughs> and <laughs> just kind of gave it the old college try where I like scanned the shelves. I'm like, no, it's not there. So it's definitely not there. <laughs> yeah. So she brings it. I was like in, in my office where I am now and I was like working on some steel like studio stuff and she comes in and she sets it down on the table and I was 
simultaneously overjoyed that it had been found because I, I couldn't bear the thought of like telling my brother-in-law, Hey, you know, that awesome card you gave me that was really meaningful to you. Yeah. I lost it. Didn't want to go through that whole conversation. So I was happy I found it, but then I was like, Oh man, like now she knows I hardly looked for it. Mm. And she like set it down. I was like, where was it? She was like, it was in a book. And then like, I was like, well, which one? (laughs) As if like that would, like if she would have said like, oh, it was in Fahrenheit 450. Well, I didn't read that one. So that's why I didn't find it. Like, (laughs) no, it just, I didn't look. So, so now it is, it is on my desk next to a a trophy and it is not going to move from this spot on my desk ever again. So that is me finding slash my wife finding my LeBron James rookie card. Oh man, that's a good story. You know, that type of story, like we all have a story about when we lost something and I feel like those just need to be shared. So if Mm. anyone wants to share a story about something you lost with us, go ahead and drop us a line. Head over to steellakestudio.com slash community and you can tell us a story about a time you lost something. If you want to share a story with us, we will read it on these episodes as we do any and all things that people contact us with uh but josh what's going on you got a relationship with uh something that's kind of on and off you're hot and cold on something and i i want to i want to know about this tell me so so kind of for the listeners who weren't privy to this this was so i just found out that i needed to share a story so we were talking about pickles and I have an on-off <laughs> relationship with pickled turnips. <laughs> All right. You guys ever right. had pickled turnips? I have not. No. I I don't even know if I've had turnips that aren't pickled. Yeah, I, okay. I've never had pickled turnips. I've had turnips, but I didn't know pickled turnips was a thing. Okay, so my family is Middle Eastern. We, we originally are from Egypt. So Middle Eastern culture, pickled things are just huge. I mean, they pickle everything. They pickle turnips. They pickle. I mean, they pickle limes and lemons. Oh, um, oh or, man! And talk like, about an extra kick. That's <laughs> if they work like, rough already. They they eat like these like pickled lemons with pepper, like red pepper in it. They eat like my mom will make like I don't know exactly what it is. It has something to do with eggplant. It looks disgusting, and she like she loves it. I'm like, uh, they pickle fish, which I've heard uh, of that. Uh, it, yeah. It, so anyway, pickled turnips, what a lot of Middle Easterners will do is they will not only pickle it, but they'll pickle it in beet juice. So it changes the color and makes it like the super bright pink. Um, and growing up, number one, I thought turnips were the most disgusting vegetables ever. Um, and then the idea of eating a pickled turnip, just like, did you guys ever grow up watching Arthur? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the spinach episode with his younger sister where she like refused to eat spinach just because it looked disgusting? No. No, I, didn't. Okay. I never saw that one. Cody, like, do any of your kids like refuse to eat a food even though they've never tried it? Oh, I mean, this is a daily occurrence. I I still refuse to eat certain foods. (laughs) So so for me, like my like pickled turnips and like falafel sandwiches and other things or like 
that's how you're supposed to eat it. And I'm like, no, no I refuse to. And, um, and we were even in Egypt and I got really mad because we were at a sandwich shop and I ordered a falafel sandwich and it came with pickle turnips. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> adamant about this. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember, so my, my mom's just like, she goes, how about this? I will give you $10, legit a $10 bill if I ate a pickle turn. Wow. So I was Man. like 16 at the time. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I reluctantly eat this thing. And I was like, I was surprised. I was like, this isn't that bad. Oh, what does and it I'm taste like, like? So it's, it's really, really bitter and salty. So, like, think of, like, I, it's it's a really. Is so, it vinegary? Like, does it taste like vinegar? Not really. Um, I, that might be because of the amount of beet juice they put in this. Oh, that's right. You said beet juice. Ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, too, is, like, when you're handling it, it stains your fingers. It turns your fingers purple. Oh, that's yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's always great when that happens with food. Yeah. So. But like Zach, you've had a turnip that hasn't been pickled. It's kind of yes. bland. The texture's kind of uh, it's kind of like it's, a rock, it's a little peppery you know? sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So think about that. Just as salty as pretzels. <laughs> okay. And as bitter as like I'm trying to think. It's pretty bitter. Like I, I wouldn't say yeah. it's. A, I mean it's so. I, I had it for a little bit and then I didn't have it for a really long time. And I can't remember. I, we were at a restaurant and someone asked me if I wanted pickled turnips on my food. I was like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Just give it a try. I, mm. that, I, I took a bite into the sandwich, spit it out. Automatic. I was like, nope. Oh. Turnips have to come on. Fast forward another two years, I'm okay with turnips. Okay. But like I'm in like this period where it's like I if I could like avoid it, I kinda would. And I don't know why. It's not like the taste has changed. Like I know what it tastes like. It's just so I don't know are why. you are you currently on in your relationship? Are you guys currently seeing each we're other? Or are off. you we're currently off. You're off, currently okay. Off. Yeah. So Got your it. relationship status with turnips would be single. Yes. Okay. But it's, it's complicated. We it's have, complicated. There you go. <laughs> we have a lot of it at our house right now. <laughs> like my my sister loves pickles. I love pickles. Um like regular pickles, right? Yeah. And um and the one day we ran out of pickles at the house and my sister was just like, you know, I'm gonna have turnips and she she got an entire bowl of this stuff and I looked at it. And I was just like, no, not even no. no. I like, I could taste it while watching her eat it. And I was like, mm. Mm, no. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that you can taste things while watching other people eat it, but mm -hmm. it's only ever things that taste bad. You know, right. it never happens with the things that taste good. You know, when someone's mm. eating like a really delicious looking cake, you can never taste the cake. In fact, you're you're 
your uh your taste buds are remind you how depraved you are of the sugary right. goodness of cake instead of being able to manipulate it. But whenever it's something gross, your body's like, your mouth tastes gross mm. right now. It's yeah. it's it's a weird phenomena. I will you- I will say though, like whenever I'm in a dieting phase, like like a, a cut or something, and I'm watching TV and a burger ad shows up, I can taste that burger. <laughs> like and it I always could. like a really good, like freshly cooked burger. And I'm just mm. like, it, it always like it's always like the struggle bus for me after Dude, that. It's just, that happens to me with pizza, man. I uh, feel like I can taste pizza when even if it's garbage even if it's like Mm -hmm. domino little caesars yeah like little caesars i can still be like "Mm, i could go for some pizza (laughs) you could go for some pizza i could go for some cardboard Uh, and cheese uh, that's right i love love this because this totally goes into our conversation later (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well cody why don't you tell us what all the fans are saying on on facebook right now about you because i saw this well, well, there's a there's a story we're gonna get into. So, I'll I guess I'll start off since you addressed the Facebook thing. Uh, I got a couple of comments from from some some family members and some friends saying, "Hey, you know, you you got a future in talk radio. Did you know that?" And just nice things said. So, if you guys are listening to this podcast, thank you. That means a lot. It always compliments and comments. They mean a lot. So, if you guys. If you guys listen to this episode, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to any podcaster's podcast and you think they do a good job and you've never just kind of directly sent them anything, just like, hey, you know what? I appreciate the show. Do that with your favorite podcast today. It would mean a lot to anybody who who does a podcast, especially independent podcasters. And I promise you, you'd hear back from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anyway, uh, so it's some some nice comments, and my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, and you know I actually hope she listens to this one because I'm gonna tease her a little bit here, and so I've referenced it in the past that I I used to work in in a church. That's what I went to school for, and then some things kind of fell through, and I've kind of you know been thinking about like I've got a job that helps me pay the bills. It's a pretty good job. I work in a pretty good place, and. And I was like, you know, as far as future career wise goes, maybe I don't maybe I don't want to spend my entire life working in a church. Maybe there's some other things I want to do. Right. And so so Steel Lake Studios, kind of a vision of something I'd love to build for the future, a company. And I'd, I'd like to be this independent, creative type of person, you know, living live in the dream. Right. And and I I've given this pitch to my mom many times, who is a a realist to a T, you know, she's just, just like realistic, anything creative, anything hobby. My mom doesn't really get behind, you know, she, uh, she enjoys other people's creations, but tells her kids, you're all going to be broken poor. If you want to be creative for, for a living. <laughs> mom, I love you to death, but you know, you and I are just, we're cut out of a different cloth somehow or another. We're the same genes, but, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> different desires. And, so anyway, we're over my mom's house on Friday. Friday was my son's fifth birthday, and for his birthday, he wanted to go over to my mom's house and and hang out. And so we all went on over there. And I feel bad because my parents have um they they have moved from their big house and have a, a smaller house now. And this thing is just like a 
gigantic noise box, all wood floors, <laughs> vaulted ceilings, a loft area, and the kids like to play up in the loft area. So it's just like loud. It's just loud. You know, you go over there, the kids are all screaming and making noise and wood floors and acoustics. You, you guys know, it mm-hmm. just makes a lot of noise. And so we're over there. And so I'm, I'm getting these comments coming through while I'm at my mom's house. And I'm like, mom, look at this. Like we got, we got all these fans commenting in that, you know, I've got a future in talk radio. And my mom, you know, she says her, her two cents, her piece, uh, which was, was not necessarily affirmative of the talk radio future. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so, and so I kept working it into the conversation all evening. Like, you know, as somebody with a future in talk radio, I think, <laughs> I think that it is probably best for, you know, and then I'd give my opinion on whatever. And, mm. I, and I did it. Uh, just about, just about every every thirty minutes or so, just to just to put it in there, and uh, <laughs> you know, my mom asked me, you know, hey, next time we get together, can you can you just not talk about podcasts, talk radio, whatever? And uh, oh yeah, also I showed up to my to my mom's house with the Haggard Odyssey shirt. Yes, the whole, the whole family had them on. <laughs> so so guys, if if you guys want like. If you guys really want to make a statement to Steel Lake Studio, go over to steellakestudio.com slash merch and uh, buy a shirt and take a picture with it, and I'll send them to my mom, and we'll have a whole lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> your mom will absolutely love it. We'll she might disown you, but she'll love it. Because uh, uh, as a guy with a future in talk radio, I know comedy. Exactly. And so, <laughs> so anyway but you know and then we do we get together with my mom the next day and uh it's so friday and saturday spent hanging out with my mom we were over her house friday and she was over our house saturday and josh came over in the evening saturday as well and we just kind of had this like i feel i feel old because i had a like this full weekend of stuff going on of and, and the basically was just interacting with people and here i am monday i'm feeling like totally drained you know mm. so, <laughs> so so anyway i got home from work today and my my mom is here my mom's here as as we're recording this podcast my mom's here hanging out with my wife and um you know that's something i'm thankful for my my mom and my wife get along you know it's that's a blessing if your mm. in-laws if in-laws can get together that's a great thing uh mm. and get along so anyway you know my mom's over here and she, they want to play a little board game before we got to record here so so i played a quick game of ticket to ride got smashed and um Again. and you know i and then i had to dismiss myself because i had to tell tell mom you know i need to go work on my future and talk radio <laughs> and <laughs> Go record a podcast with my friends. So, so if uh, if any of you know my mother, uh, just just let her know that uh, Cody's got a future in talk radio. Yeah. She'll <laughs> she'll really appreciate the comment. Oh man, <laughs> uh, she'll know it comes from a good place. Uh, she's a wonderful person. I love my mother, but she's very passionate about um, being realistic. <laughs> mm. so, anyway, that was just a little story from my weekend today. On Parallel Quest, we got a special episode. I've kind of even called it a bonus episode because we're approaching this a little bit different. Today we're talking about the documentary, The Social Dilemma, which is more of a new, it is definitely a new film Mm -hmm. that has come out. And we're going to approach this probably a little bit different than 
uh, the Tiger King. We reviewed the Tiger King earlier, and and we kind of talked about how that's more of a new thing uh, and not so much a nostalgic thing. But I just thought that the information was was so interesting, and this is a really pressing issue, um, that it would be good to talk about here on Parallel Quest. And I wanted to invite Josh to come on and talk to us about it because Josh is the guy who pointed me in the direction of watching this documentary. He's the guy who told me about it. And this guy, Josh, over here who's joining us on the podcast, uh, he and I, we worked together in youth ministry for a long time, and we've spent a lot of time researching and discussing the effect of social media on teens. Like This is something that we've paid attention to for many years. And the social dilemma kind of lays it all out there. And I think this is kind of the first thing that we're seeing on Netflix that's going to reach a huge audience of people and a huge audience of parents and potential parents who really kind of need to hear this information. Um, and, and of course, as individuals, as grown adults, you need to know this for yourself. But I think that it's more pressing to take this information, embrace it, and try to approach social media a little different for the next generation. Um that's kind of where mm-hmm. I'm coming at at this from, as well as I just thought that it was just it was well done. I thought how they integrated somewhat of this, you know, family narrative within it, like the fictional family narrative. I thought that that was well done. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I appreciated it. And uh, it, it fits in well with what we do here at Steel Lake Studio because we are basically an Internet based company that uses social media as our roadways to get people to discover our home on the Internet, which is SteelLakeStudio.com. And so I just thought it'd be a good conversation to have. I pitched it to Zach. He was cool with it. And Josh, I told him last minute that uh, he's coming on today. I told him Saturday. Um, All right. <laughs> so, so Josh, I I did hey. tell Zach before I invited you that I was going to uh, invite you onto the show and then forgot to tell you for five days. So sorry Listen, about that. That's kind of classic parallel quest fashion. Though. Okay. I mean, we, we pick a topic literally like the day before we record and then the day of do a bunch of research on it. So that's you're, you're very much in line with how we run this show. Oh. Fun. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, guys, uh, if you're interested at all, um, Josh and I also do another podcast where we talk about church stuff. If you want to check it out, it's called Raking Coals. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you're into church or Christianity or want to know a little bit more. We've talked about a ton of stuff over there, and um, that is, that's a fun adventure as well. So yeah. just want to say that. We do that, um, we do that with our friend Sean. And it's been, it's been good. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a fun, it's been a fun adventure and really was our first foray into podcasting. So, um, Zach's been on too. I, yes, I think I was one of your first guests. You were the first guest. I was the first. Wow. Mm -hmm. We've come full circle here, Josh. I know it's crazy. And so here we go. We got the crisscross to make you jump, jump. So let's jump right in to the, uh, Main topic here. I couldn't think of the word. It's very simple <laughs> word structure, but main topic. I've been talking for a while. So in this first section, everyone, we're going to just do a little review of the social dilemma. Uh, we're going to be sharing interesting information and stories from the documentary and any criticisms we might have. But before we do that, do you guys want to kind of briefly summarize for the audience the concept, the subject matter, 
and the purpose of the documentary. Whoever wants to go go at it for a little bit, we kind of kind of all discuss here. So whoever wants to jump in first, just go ahead and start talking. Yeah, I can take this one. So Social Dilemma uh, essentially is a documentary about the pitfalls of social media. Um, it covers all the major social media outlets and gives you kind of a behind the scenes pulling back the curtain look at what the engineers and what the computer programmers in these companies are actually doing, um, which is very eye-opening. I think a lot of people um, on the surface kind of get what advertising is and kind of how Facebook and Google will advertise to you. But I don't think most people understand or know the deeper level of information that these companies have on individuals. It's a documentary that shows you more about more than just advertising. It shows you the algorithms and tells you how they're actually getting this information and what's going on with this information. Because anyone who's ever gone on the internet and typed in any information about themselves, they are in the internet's files, essentially. And Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of them have access to you. And so it kind of goes through this whole social dilemma of how these oftentimes very necessary social media platforms can kind of go awry and how there's a more insidious side to them. I don't think, and I, and once again, we got to kind of take this documentary with a grain of salt because there is a bias. There's always a bias in, in documentary filmmaking. And I think some of these and some of these platforms started off as good intentions and they started off as good intentions and they were just kind of implemented with bad ideas. And you kind of get that from the interviews that they have with some of the engineers or some of the, the CEOs or the, the creators of certain um, aspects of these social media platforms. You kind of get that like they didn't really understand what they were doing at first. They just thought, oh, this would be cool. Like people would like a like button just because we would want people to interact and spread positivity. Well, little did they know that the like button is one of the most addictive things about social media. Like you, you literally will get on refresh your page just to see how many people like or comment on a, on a certain thing that you post. So, um, social dilemma kind of navigates through these waters and at the same time, so it's like a documentary, but it's also sort of like a, a short movie because it has actors playing a family that's affected and afflicted, if you want to call it that, by social media and kind of what can happen if you have no boundaries and no safeguards to your consumption of social media and where that can lead. So I thought it was an awesome, very, very pertinent, very relevant movie. Um, I will say, though, my one kind of turn off to it was the ending i thought it was like a little vague with what they were trying to say because i think 
the the film, and we can talk about this once we give our opinions here, but I think the film does a really good job at setting up the positives and negatives, especially the negatives of social media, but then I think they kind of lose their way a little bit on how to overturn that negative, but still great, great film. I think everyone should watch this. So if you guys have anything to add to that. I, I think one of the, one of the things that the documentary does really, really well is it, it talks about the fact that like, yeah, we, we are willingly giving our data to these companies, right. For them to use in any way that they want. And you, we've always heard like, be careful about what you post, be careful about what you post. And because they're going to sell your data to advertisers and, and something I found really interesting about the documentary. And it's, it's pretty much the, what I thought was the primary focus was this idea of the attention extraction economy and how platforms are essentially monetizing human attention um, and engagement. Yeah. And, and it really does, they do a very good job about talking to that and, and talking about the different ways that these social media companies have really fine-tuned their business processes and the algorithms that they use to keep you engaged with their products. Um, yeah. And, and something that, like, because my sister was the one who told me to watch it, um, and something that she told me and I, I told Cody was, it's a lot of information that I already knew but it's aggregated into one very well-structured presentation, essentially. Um, yep. So, so that's my, re my review about just how it was put on, I think. And when we get into our opinions and discussion, I'll, I'll share what else I have to say about that. <clears throat> yeah, and just another thing that I will, will add to what you guys have both said. I think we've kind of got the documentary really well summarized here. Um, that I think, Zach, I agree with you on how it ended because it seems to build up this, this kind of building tension of making you, kind of calling you to action. It's, it was a documentary that I was like, wow, I've never felt more called to action by a documentary than I have watching this, mm -hmm. right? you know, going through my phone, turning off notifications and just trying to do whatever I could to, to try and spend less time on these platforms because, you know, it's taking away from my real life. And this is all information, you know, that I've known and I've studied, I've been studying this stuff for years. And so is Josh, as we've, you know, worked with students and talked about the effect it has on teenagers and, and, you know, we've warned parents about these certain types of things. But it seemed like at the end there, there was a little bit of like trying to save face. Like they didn't want to get too far bad on Google's side. Do you guys feel that at all as as they're trying to like justify like, well, these are good tools, mm -hmm. uh, just maybe not for kids. And I don't know. I kind of felt that at the end. But I think maybe that's because when they record these things, uh, you know, they just go in a straight interview and then they edit it in, you know, this narrative that the documentary crew wants mm -hmm. to um tell but man i just thought I, I thought it was really good go ahead josh i think one of the things that they were trying to avoid was a lawsuit 
exactly. I think they kind of yeah. they walked the, they walked it all the way up to the line to where they're the lawyers at Netflix probably said, okay, you can say up to this so we don't get sued by Facebook, Google, YouTube, mm-hmm. like um, Twitter, Pinterest. Like we can get up to and the one the one guy who gets interviewed even made the comment. He's like, I've been talking to lawyers all year to even see if I'm allowed to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that the beginning was definitely like setting the stage for this is going to be intense. Right. Cause you got a lot of people like, I don't, I'm nervous. Right. I, I don't know if I'm really allowed to say what I'm about to say. (laughs) Right. Um, Um, and, and, and I will say like, so my sister's fiance is, he just finished his computer science degree. And, um, we were, I watched the documentary a second time with him and, he recognized most of the people in the in the documentary. Okay. Um, yeah. And and like the uh, there was one book that was um, that was that was the one lady with the blue hair. Um, she writes something. The something oh yeah, about the PhD yeah lady. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had to read her book in his AI class. Okay. Um, so like, so that also like kind of confirmed to me, like, okay, these are people who really know what they're doing. Cause I mean, they could really put whoever and give them a title and you wouldn't know that, but like, so, so for, for my sister's fiance to say like, oh no, I've, I've learned all of this through his degree. Like, okay, this, Hmm. this is something that I can actually look into more knowing that it's. Some, somewhat sub, more substantial than what I originally, my original impression was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good to know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I trusted right as watching the documentary. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone is who they say they are, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad to have that 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 is confirmed mm-hmm. with uh, someone who's who's really smart. I um, think it goes to show also the kind of the power, and we all know the power of the internet, but the power that Google and like the rest of these social media companies have on even their own employees that like, they're afraid to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that just, I just, I, I, I was amazed at how skittish and how apprehensive a lot of the employees from, their own companies were and it just goes to show yeah that's just the power that these companies have where it's like yeah, listen you can't say too much or like you will kind of have to pay the consequences for for saying what you're saying even though we know it's true like you're yeah. right that i think they pulled some punches at the very end of the the documentary because i think they had to i think josh is right when yeah. he says like the lawyers could have gotten involved but I think also that the the reason why they they pulled those punches was like you kind of already knew what they were alluding at, so they didn't really have to say it. But you know, if if all of a sudden Facebook was losing users, or if Twitter suddenly lost like a hundred thousand users or something, this documentary would be sued like instantly. So I think they had to be careful there at the end. Yeah. 
You know what's surprised me most about the documentary is and that could it could be because it doesn't carry the high entertainment value craziness that the Tiger King did. Mm-hmm. Um to me it's it's surprising like I saw some stuff going around social media the day or the weekend that it was released and you know Josh had told me about it I talked to you about it mm-hmm. and I talked to a couple people at work about but I'm just surprised there's not more people I hear talking about this um you know and it's only been out at this point for 2 weeks but for me it's just it's like it's one of those things where where I feel like this this would have been like a really big com, uh, conversation piece. Mm. And maybe it's just because it's a lot of information we all already kind of knew and just needed that one singular narrative piece that kind of confirms like, yeah, this stuff isn't really great for us. But I'm just kind of surprised that the uh, initial response hasn't hasn't been kind of the topic of pot, many more podcasts and other mm. things. Uh, and in preparation for this, I kind of avoided listening to other conversations about it but yeah i just found that to be kind of interesting as well well Uh, i think that's probably i think it's probably because well how are they advertising this documentary are they they can't i feel like it would be somewhat of a contradiction to have them advertise (laughs) on social media and tweet about it and post it on facebook because i mean even at the very end they kind of joked about like, hey, follow us on social media. Just kidding. Like, I, I enjoyed that joke, but like, I don't know how you create a movie or a documentary kind of slamming social media and then not use social media to say, hey, we made a movie about this. So it could well, just I be. Just, I was thinking more like the the people, the word of mouth type of talk, mm-hmm. not necessarily through advertising, but through actually, you know, people sharing it. Yeah, I, I mean, you also have to remember that the week that this released also had the really controversial, uh, I don't know if it's a movie or TV show. I didn't watch it. I didn't even watch the trailer. Cutie, Cuties, I think it's called, that French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So all the conversation on social media, which is kind of ironic, was boycott Netflix, ban Netflix, right? Um. And, and that's what, I mean, it released the same week. So even though it was in the top 10 of the Netflix collection for that week, people were still watching. I, I think people want watch Cuties just to see what all the fuss was about and didn't watch yeah. this. I know mm-hmm. like with my conversations with people about it, like a, a lot of my friends have seen it. And then a lot of, a lot more have said it's in my list. It's on my list on Netflix. I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. Um, which then I say you need to get to it. Cause, mm. um, I honestly think that it was a, uh, a, a really, the recommendations they made at the end, at least the really big recommendation I followed and I was shocked after a week to look at my screen time report on my phone, um, which uh, the, can we talk about that? Yeah, go ahead. So, so the big recommendation at the end that almost everybody said was turn off notifications, right? Turn off mm-hmm. all yeah. notifications for anything that's trying to take your attention. Um, 
And I went in and for the, with the exception of like the few apps that I all like I need to use, um, I turned off all my notifications. And with just social media, my average daily view time was like two hours. Before I turned off notifications, right now it's sitting at 20 minutes. Wow. Okay. And like I've noticed over the past week and a half that I've done it, like I'm not going to my cell phone. I'm not checking it as often mm-hmm. or e- even mm-hmm. really, I'm not really even checking it at all because there's nothing to check. There's no notifications. If like it's, I'm the one who's making the conscious decision to go check social media. I'm the one who's making this conscious decision to go check my email. Mm-hmm. It's not getting the notification. It's not buzzing on my watch. Um, it's made, I honestly think it's really cleared up a lot of the noise that's been in my life by doing mm, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because so. how many documentaries do you watch that you get legit actual tips and action that you can do right then and there? Because you mm-hmm. watch some of the nature documentaries like Blackfish and you're mm-hmm. like, well, okay, I guess I'm not going to SeaWorld anymore. Like, <laughs> but I mean, like it's so many of these well-made and well-intended documentaries have these massive issues that you're like, well, how am I going to like remove all the plastic right. in the ocean? Right. But yes, this, yeah. this actually gave you immediate actionable tips to do right. As you're watching the documentary to be like, I'm going to turn these notifications off. Cause I did the same thing, Josh, I turned off mm-hmm. and I started noticing it once they, once they, showed that um whatever it's like the world where the three guys were kind of manipulating mm-hmm. the main character of a, of like the movie part of it and how they would be like oh he hasn't been on for 45 minutes right. like let's send him a little whatever let's hit and, him with this and yeah. then he's gonna and i he, never he, thought about that mm-hmm. in the sense and i i thought about it with social media but i never thought about it in the sense of other news apps or other game apps that do that to get you back onto their their app and Mm -hmm. i when they said that i was like oh my gosh like my news apps will do this like Mm -hmm. if i have not looked at the app in a day all of a sudden a pop-up would come up and it'd be like the guardian is has this article or like pop up and it'd be like the ap news has this article and it was always stuff that i know the like the algorithm or whatever knew that I had spent more time reading. Like I only would right. read certain kinds of articles and then they would feed me that article and they would have that pop up and it'd be like, Oh, the Cleveland Indians dropped a three game series. And I'd be like, Oh, I want to read this. Like, how did that mm-hmm. happen? And yeah. like, they just, but when I saw that on the film, they were talking about that. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I right. thought I was better than the system, but like obviously it's it's been dragging me in, so I deleted all my news apps. I actually I not all of them. I have one app, but it, uh, the the notifications are off. But mm-hmm. I I'd be interested to see my screen time too because I've yeah. I've ironically I've been on probably Facebook more than anything else on my phone. Even though before this movie I never got on Facebook, but <laughs> I can't help it. Sometimes it's just you, you want to see a dumpster fire. So right. I want to get on there and just see all the stupid stuff yeah. people are saying. I mean, and, and like the thing about Facebook too is Facebook is kind of also our probably biggest platform as far as an actual 
audience goes for Steel Leg Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but at at the same time, though, like I did the same thing with notifications. But like you were saying, I it to me it actually never did click with um, uh, social media. The fact that they know via algorithm who you've spent the most time looking at their posts or liking their things. And if you're just having a day and you're just trying to be detached from the phone and have a nice family day, they'll send you a notification, be like, oh, hey, such and such posted a new status or a new photo Mm -hmm. or like, guess who added to their story? And, and like, to me, the first time, you know, kind of watching the story breakdown, because for me, I think, I think in stories. So mm-hmm. like watching them go after that kid, right from the, you know, the, the, the big brother esque type tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and be like, okay, he hasn't been on, we're doing, we're doing the secret move right. here. Right. The last time, <laughs> you know, he has like, you know, something crazy, like hundreds of impressions with this person a couple months ago. Let's just get him to look at this. And sure enough, right. He's like, hey, he's conquering it, conquering it, conquering it. And then boom, you know, they, they get him sucked back in because mm-hmm. of the right person, because that person's activity never really goes away. Right. They just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, social media hides it from you, which right now I'm so frustrated. And if any podcasters listen to this podcast, I apologize, but my because we do a podcast and we put podcast stuff on Twitter, my Twitter feed is flooded with the same mm-hmm. tweet podcast recommendations. Yeah. And it's like any good Stop. podcast to listen to? No. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want this. <laughs> like, yeah. Like so now, you know, I've screwed up my own feed by sharing my <laughs> stuff because Twitter's trying to tell me to like, oh yeah, annoy this person with your podcast recommendation. This stranger who you don't know, mm-hmm. just post a link to your podcast and be like you know, every other spam email someone gets. And it's like, no, no, don't make me do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And, and I think I really liked how they integrated that essentially a case study of a family into yeah. Yeah. the documentary because it really did show a realistic example of what these platforms are doing and the effect that they're having on a modern day family. And I mean, Cody, you mentioned youth group and think of, I, like I was thinking about that, the youngest daughter and like she posted that selfie and then you see the comments pop up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you look pretty. And then the, you see the comment of like, can you make your ears any bigger? Right. Right. Um, and and it, I, I really liked how that like, was just a nice little highlight of, this is what's going on with a lot of people on social media where it's, Oh, like, I mean, how many people are posting things because they, that's how that that's how they are. They're getting the attention that they're seeking. Right. And then you get one person who just throws in a negative comment and it ruins it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and the other, the thing too, that I, I really wish they focused on a little bit more was you, the three of us grew up at least what Facebook didn't really come around until what, 2006. Yeah, it, it started, yeah. the company actually started in 2004 or five, but right. it wasn't available to the public till 06. And then I know I was off the platform 
until at least I think I think I joined in 07, maybe 08. I, yeah, I okay. honestly don't remember. And like Twitter came after, and I remember like Cody, you forced me to get a Twitter account. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, I was all about Feeding Twitter in the beginning. It Twitter, was- Twitter was amazing in the beginning, and yeah. and then <sighs> and then Twitter is what it is now, which is not amazing. Right. Um, oh man, I hated Twitter when it came out, man. I was like, this is just the Facebook status page. Why would anyone just want to post the status? <laughs> But see, that was the why it was good. It was like, ah, I'm sick of all these people's pictures. I want, I want quick wit and humor, and that's why I like <laughs> right. Twitter, man. Like, and then you had Instagram came that came out, and it was like just pictures, no status. Like people could write a status, nobody looks at the status, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we we at least for most of our childhood didn't have social media, um, mm-hmm. and we went through our childhood. We, we we're probably the last generation to at least be afforded with that because especially the generation that's in, in high school. Now social media has been a thing their entire lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like for us, I feel like social media for us was just another avenue of interacting with our friends Mm -hmm. where social media now, especially in the Gen Z group age range, like that's the primary way mm-hmm. a lot of them interact with their friends. Well, and it's because we came from a generation that like AIM was our only form of communication really mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a natural extension for our age group to go from AIM to Facebook and just kind of do generally the same thing. Like, yeah, okay, now we can share pictures, but we just all kind of did the same thing. Like we right. just would kind of talk to each other on this now new platform. We also came from an age of like MySpace, where like MySpace MySpace was kind of garbage, but it was like, well, we can kind of talk to our friends and we'll just share some pictures. I think with this new generation of kids, like kind of the what what Gen Z Gen Z's Gen- out they are. Yeah, I I mean, I think Jonathan Haidt, who's the one of my favorite people, he's the guy that they interviewed and he was talking about how like the suicide rates have gone up like crazy. And I I read his book, The Calling of the American Mind, and I think everyone should read that book because it's it's like this movie in book form, but with a lot of data and information to back it up. Um, but like he was talking like he said, the Gen Z is the first generation to have the power of the social media at its fullest extent. Because when we had Facebook, like we were saying, we didn't really have what Facebook is now. We had watered down Facebook where it was like, you shared a picture, you shared a status, you hit the like button. That was it. And I don't even think we had the like button. I think you just like commented on the picture. We're like, this is great. I like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But this Gen Z is the first generation to have the full brunt and power of these platforms in middle school, in mm-hmm. middle school, when you are still, ha- I mean, think about what Even you were like before middle school, there are kids in elementary school whose parents have set them up a social media account. That's true. That's very true. And you don't even know who you are, let mm-hmm. alone. I mean, in you're elementary full, school, you don't even know how to like speak. Yeah. You're just exactly. You're completely right. developing still. 
even into the person you're going to be. And so then you have this onslaught of communication and advertisers who know what they're doing because they're adults advertising Mm -hmm. to kids and you can't critically think really when you're in middle school. So you're just kind of going through life and through these social media platforms with a partially developed brain being preyed on by these advertisers. And then your self-esteem is being directly affected by how you're interacting on these social medias. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because like that's, that was a huge point for me in the, in the movie that when they brought Jonathan Haidt on, Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, this is the guy. Like I read this book. Yeah. He knows all about this stuff. Yeah. And it really mm-hmm. is affecting like young children. I mean, he, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's got some good stuff too about like alternatives for parents who want to, because I think a lot of parents use cell phones and all that stuff is like, oh, it's it's just a safety thing for our kids. And he proposes a lot of other safety things like, you know, um, you can get like what's that emergency device he's talked about before in the past of uh, like there is a, a thing I think Garmin makes it or whatever. Oh, the right? InReach satellite yeah. communicator. Yeah, yeah, that can store like phone numbers and stuff. So it is like it's an emergency device you could give kids. So you're not handing to them. I mean, and that's another another thing too is that if you give your a kid a cell phone, they're they're gonna find bad things on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just that's what's gonna happen and. You know, whatever you think is bad as a as a listener, that's subjective to you. But I think there are some things that we could all agree that kids definitely shouldn't be getting into. And and I would even say, like, to me, you, you know, <laughs> platforms like Twitter, for example, as great as it can be, you know, if you don't have your filters set up right on Twitter, you mm-hmm. can see just like straight up. Mm-hmm stuff mm-hmm. like it, yeah. you know like yeah. it's just and you're like scroll through twitter you're like what the heck is this yep. mm-hmm. and uh you know it, it it's it's an adult platform i mean social media is is it's really should really only be used by adults but is extremely addictive for the young developing mind um yep. because i think of the just the natural low self-esteem that you have as a teenager mm-hmm. and you know the the thing that you know i think we need to be aware of is is i think a lot of times we try and justify something in our head without thinking about all alternatives there's a lot of alternatives to ways to communicate with people and mm-hmm. stay safe and all that without having you know a smartphone in your mm-hmm. hand and it's- i mean it you look at how like at least with the younger generation like how pers- pervasive tiktok has been and how everybody's on TikTok. Everybody's trying to do these dances on TikTok. And TikTok's very much built to grab your attention. And you just scroll. I mean, I've heard of people whose kids have scrolled for hours just watching video after video on TikTok. Because it's built in such a streamlined way. It's, it's, it's almost impossible not to scroll up. And then if yeah. you watch a certain video... You're, it's going to populate with another video that's somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, you go down the rabbit trail. But I mean, you, here's a question that I have for you guys. Like when you guys go out in public to the mall or a restaurant or something, do you guys ever notice how many people are staring at their cell phones? Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's everybody. Couples will be sitting across from each other at dinner, just on their phones. Right. Not even talking to each other except to like, Hey, take a picture of me eating. I've done that. Like, and I've, (laughs) I've found myself doing that. Um, and, and it's funny cause like, it doesn't matter what generation you're in. Every generation that has a smartphone does it. My parents mm-hmm. do it. Our parents' generation do, does it just as much as we do it. The generation after us does it even more probably than us. But like I was at, um, I was walking the dog a few weeks ago and we have a school down the street with a like jungle gym park. And it's been like the hot spot for the teenagers to go hang out because of quarantine and everything. And you go there and they're all on the monkey on, on the jungle gym and they're all just sitting there on their phones. They're not even talking to each other. There's like 20 of them. Hmm. Okay. But that's, yeah, what, man. that's what they, they get. Hey, look at this video. Hey, look at this. Video. Granted, I do the same thing. So it's me preaching to the choir, but I mean, it, that's how pervasive it's become into our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that, I think that there is a, a fear I have with the kids and the use of social media. And for me, and I don't know if this is necessarily, this could just be me thinking as a dad, but even kids YouTube, for example, my kids love kids YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I watched some of the stuff they watch on there. And I'm like, guys, this is terrible. It's awful. There's a lot of things that as a dad, I have to say, you cannot watch that. Um, And I'm not going to tell you what those things are here. Cause you know, I, 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 I could talk to you guys off the mic, but I'm sure there's other people like, oh, you're being too strict as a parent. But it's like there's just certain things that because I understand what people Mm -hmm. are doing with kids social media. It's like this is, you know, you're trying to suck my kid into giving all their time to these videos. And, you know, these toys and stuff you're playing with, you're, you know, you're masking it like you're playing. But this is just like a 15 minute advertisement. And then here's my kids, you know, later in the day begging all day for these stupid toys that are a waste of money, you know? And like, okay, I will say this, uh, all of those YouTubers, those family YouTubers, I'm really happy for you that you have, um, contracts with, with these toy making companies and you want, you know, you're selling blind bags and all that stuff. But like, I, I, I say this as, as just truly being convicted that, I could not ever make a children's toy that is essentially the same thing as gambling. Like that's, <laughs> you, you're trying to get my four-year-old sucked into gambling because of blind bag purchases. Yeah. Because you know, and, and my yeah, kids will tell God. me about. It. They'll be like, "There's like, there's like ultra rares and and all of this." And it's like, I, you know, the the Pokemon effect, you know, had the same thing on us as kids, but. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, but it's, it's just, what is a blind bag for someone who has no idea what you're talking about? Think of a pack of Pokemon cards. Okay. And, but instead of cards and building a card game, a constructive deck that you could play and actually be social with, they're just these stupid tchotchke toys. So think about like maybe getting like a little tiny plushie, like a four inch plushie or a, you know, a two, you know, three, four inch miniature figure that's, that's junk, um, that little squishy balls, they're just random toys. And they're meant to get kids sucked into these YouTubers. They they idolize these YouTube families um, because it's cool, right? It's like, oh, cool, look at him. He's on camera. Every kid, every kid is is interested in seeing another kid on camera. Like my kids, they love seeing themselves on camera as little narcissists. 
And uh, there's <laughs> there's just something about Which, seeing kids on camera being represented, right? Kids love that. Um, and then right. what they're doing is they're selling toys to kids, and then you know they're begging their parents right. all day for for junk which right. costs five bucks a pop and it's like holy cow like it's a genius business idea because most parents are probably willing to part with the five bucks to get their kids to stop whining but but not haggard here <laughs> nah <laughs> like, i mean how many times i, I know we your tricks <laughs> how many times when we were we were leading youth groups were kids saying like oh no i'm gonna be a youtuber when i grow up and yeah a like, lot i mean i mean it's like yeah you I mean, I, I know so many kids who are in college now who like they're they're kind of doing what we're doing with the podcast, but on Twitch and on YouTube when it comes to sports and video games and stuff, because everybody's hoping that they they make it right. Um, and a lot of them don't realize it. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's to a make job. It. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the people who make it. That's their job. Dude. And here's the other side of that coin is the schools now are capitalizing on those desires. Oh yeah. Because they have classes now that are like, this is how to be a YouTuber. We're going to teach you a one-on-one level course of how to be a YouTuber. And And they're going to charge a hundred or they're going to charge $500 a credit hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. On something that you could have learned by watching a YouTube video. Why watching YouTube? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. While watching YouTube. (laughs) um i i i I, did you guys go on their website the social dilemmas website at all i did not okay so i went on it and um they they throw in so they kind of summarize the three dilemmas that they wanted to highlight on their page and they cite there's like the one when it comes to mental health the mental health dilemma that this is what they have written down for it says a 5,000 person study show found that higher social media use correlated to self-reported declines in mental and physical health and life satisfaction. And that's from the American journal of epidemiology from 2015. Yeah. Um, I believe it. Absolutely. I mean, statistically like correlation does not mean causation and i would i'm really like i kind of want to go and find this study if i can if it's available um for free i don't know if they're going to make me pay for it um but it i mean the statistics that they shared when it came to suicide rates in middle school and high school girls Mm -hmm. was that's shocking i mean it was it was over 100 100 increase for both age groups Mm -hmm. And, and you I mean, it's extremely coincidental that that rise started around 2006, 2006, 2006, and then spiked even more when the like button came out. Like it was, it's very, you're right. Like correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, Causation. but it's, it's very, it shows a high relationship. Exactly. There's a significant relationship. I mean, you got kids now that want to go and have, plastic surgery so that they can look like their snapchat filters yeah Mm -hmm. and that's a growing trend not Mm -hmm. just in teenagers but in young adults and um like 30 like so millennials right people who Mm -hmm. are now in their 30s that's something that's growing in the plastic surgery world and that's a direct cause i mean it's directly caused by snapchat 
that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, one thing I'm gonna gonna say here at this point in time, I suggest this to both of you guys. I suggest this to our audience. If you watch The Social Dilemma, if you've already watched it, if you're going to watch it, I want you guys, and I know that this is not an official biopic, and Zach, I mentioned mm-hmm. this to you at the end of last uh, our last podcast. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to watch the movie The Social Network. Um, after you have seen The Social Dilemma and now all the information and you're seeing the real-world stuff play out, The Social Network in 2010 was wildly ahead of its time. And... I think we missed out on a lot of the meta narrative of of the social network, at least me personally, because I was in college and I was living this awesome life where where social media was, I mean, that was meeting people. And then you used Facebook to connect digitally, but to make personal connections. And now, like the whole beast of social media is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go back and you watch the social network from the very beginning of the movie, hearing the stats about depression and stuff like that, like the whole thing starts with right Zuckerberg doing the face mash thing and basically oh, doing it to to lower <laughs> female mm-hmm. self esteem, mm-hmm. right? And and he didn't do it to do that. But he was a little drunk and a little disappointed, uh, according to the unofficial film. Uh, but but it's one of those things where. You watch it and it's like, wow, like if we would have paid more attention to this movie in 2010, maybe we would have made some different choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting because that movie is actually based on a book. Um, and the book's the book's title, which I think is hilarious, it's called The Accidental Billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just how like, I mean, these these were guys who they 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 didn't intend to do what they did when it comes to creating these humongous companies, but it fell in their lap and they ran with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and the, the documentary even mentions like they are now social media companies are the biggest, some of the biggest companies in the entire world. Yeah. When it comes to, to market value. Yeah. And I guess the question is we can talk about how, because I, I, I agree with you, Josh. I think that a lot of these negative consequences, were like they started out as good intentions and mm-hmm. then just some bad policies or bad ideas got inserted into a good intention. And now we have, like you said, the 5,000 person study of mm-hmm. like mental decline. Um, but I guess my question is, what do you guys think is the is I, I don't I hesitate to use the word evil because I don't like kind of making everything black and white like that. But what do you think is the more malicious part of this? The social media engineers and platformers or the advertisers that are kind of just coming in and using these platforms to promote their products. I mean, for me, mine, mine is not, this isn't the advertisers. Um, I'm going to say it's not so much for me, social media, for me, the biggest, the biggest thing I found jarring in the documentary was how, um, Google autofill works. Um, 
when I found out that you are giving different autofill results based on what is searched most in your region, I think that that's just that's just terrible. Um, because what it does is it it that's I think that's contributing to divisions amongst people because people are searching for confirmation bias and Google is willing to give that to you to get you to spend more time on their platform so then they can put an advertiser in front of your face instead of really, you know, I don't know. And of course, Google's going to autofill. But there's also some things I find extremely disturbing about autofill that I think they should just try to weed out of their platform. For example, if you search a famous person, you search their name, one of the top 10 results or top five results on a Google auto search is typically like their spouse. So mm-hmm. if it's a guy like so-and-so's name and then wife, or if it's a, a woman, so-and-so's name and then husband, it's like, oh, come on, man. Like, this is what people are searching. Like, dude, mm. you guys need to get lives, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, or it'll like, show you like what's trending now and yeah. it'll be someone, it'll be like, their name is trending. And which yeah. is just feeding into like, okay, what well, I want to see why they're trending. Right. right. And I just didn't like how Google's autofill works because what it, I just don't like how these social media companies or Google is way bigger than social media um, is is just allowing people to find confirmation bias. And and I, I just kind of take that stance because I just personally believe confirmation bias is, is terrible. Um, I think what you need to do as an individual is try to find the facts and it's getting harder and harder and harder to find the cold hard facts right. in the digital world of many, many, many opinions and very, very little truths. Um, so you would say the the engineers are kind yeah. of driving this beast right now. I I would say right now, yes, because um, the advertisers the advertisers just want to get their product in front of people. The engineers are the ones who have to figure out how they can target the right person to get that product in front of. Because mm-hmm. at the mo- most of the time, advertisers are just trying to sell you consumeristic goods. They'd use television or mailers or whatever technology allows. Advertising is going to do what advertising does. And I-, I think advertising on social media, I mean, it's a dangerous beast. Targeted advertising on a device that has your credit card information saved in it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, talk about talk about a way to to rack up a lot of debt, but you know you just got to be responsible. But yeah, I would put it more on the engineers. What do you think, Josh? So, I I, I think it's two sides of the coin, right? So, I I can't fault the advertisers for to for trying to get their products in front of people, right? They're going to try to use every avenue to their advantage right to to -hmm. sell their product um and social media companies i mean the documentary talks about it it's their business model is to i mean is to sell that screen time and sell that window for advertisers to get their products in front of you Mm -hmm. and both are like the capitalist in me goes at I mean, that's how the market works. Someone has created a platform that gets gets products in front of people. The advertisers are going to go to the most effective one. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, if I had to choose one, I'd probably put it on the social media companies. And the reason why I would say that is 
by making their objective advertising revenue and and creating such an efficient platform they they've really made it so that they can leverage the psychological aspects of our lives and the the psychological um mechanisms that we we as human beings have to essentially manipulate us into staying on their platforms into mm. giving us our time and the reality is, is that media has been doing that since forever i mean you think about newspapers back in or back in the 1700s i mean that was the primary source of media so advertisers went there right okay then you had radio at the turn of the 20th century Okay, advertisers started going there because that's the most it was you got more ears look hearing radio than people buying newspapers. And then t- the advent of television. Okay, and you like and you go into like cable television and the whole CNN Fox News uh I mean you have TNT USA people are going to go to the networks that most aligned to their interests. So now you have even more targeted advertising within media there. And then social media comes around and it's a media platform with that social aspect that everybody as a human being is created to have, right? My friends are on this. I can talk to them. I can show support for them. I can share news on this. I can, I can spot, I can, I can tell the people who I consider my friends on these networks, like, hey, this is what's important to me. Well, all of that information is getting aggregated on the back end mm-hmm. mm, yeah. and, and is getting exploited by these companies in, for, for the almighty dollar, right? And they've created such an effect efficient way to target communities that really it's an it's an advertiser's dream right mm-hmm. and and cody knows like with raking cools we tried to boost a post mm-hmm. okay and we went from i can't remember what it was like i think we got a couple thousand people to look at the post for five bucks yep and we had, we had people commenting and trolling and, and this one post. <laughs> <laughs> the trolls really came out on that one. <laughs> yeah, we gave them a subject matter, though, that kind of it gets trolled every time it shows up on the Internet. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and, and, the, and the reason why we boosted a post was the guest that we had owns a business and we wanted to help promote the business. Right. Mm, right. Um, but for five bucks, I could get. I mean, five bucks over two weeks, I could get my post in front of 2,000 people every single day. Yeah. In, in a targeted demographic area, and I could, like, you had the option to target it based on interests, hashtags, what they had as, like, their likes on, on Facebook, okay? Mm-hmm. And I knew that that post was going to, it wasn't going to go to because it was advertising. The guy who was on the podcast owns a gym. Uh, we were talking about faith and fitness, right? Uh, and I could target the ad so that I knew the 80-year-old grandmother who would never go to the gym isn't going to see the ad. 
Mm-hmm. But that 20 something year old who's like worried about their physical physique, they might see that. ad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know that my $5 is, was going to be used in the most effective way. So as an advertiser, of, of course I want to use this platform, right? Yeah. It's powerful. Right. Um, so it really does fall on the media company to kind of, I mean, to bear the responsibility of what social media has become, right? Um, hmm. Have you guys seen Apple's new ad? Which no. one? The vertical movie? That one keeps on popping up on my feed. Um, their new, their new thing, and they've had this, they've had this running for probably the last couple months, but. Uh, their new thing they're advertising is privacy. And yes, I did see that. And so, so that's Apple's big ad now, which is interesting as that's kind of coming out at the same time. We have the social dilemma, which basically tells us that these social media companies know way more about you than you're probably aware. Mm -hmm. And except I don't think that ad is targeted is, is in a response to social media. I think that ad is, Absolutely going into what's going on with this election cycle and Yeah, with, yeah, for sure. I mean it's it's with, it's wide in its its tag, but um your online information safe with Apple, you know. Well well I don't think say. it's just, so you guys remember the the San Bernardino mm. um a t- terrorist attack, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Was it yeah. Um and how Apple and the FBI were going back and forth about unlocking the cell phone. Yeah. Okay. And that's like, I think that ad is more on the, your, your, your data that's on your phone is safe from more of the government entities that are trying to leverage the technology that's out there to provide national security. Um, and not when it comes to social medias, because People are going to put, give social media their personal data, their personal likes, and their interests yeah. mm-hmm. r- r- across platforms. It doesn't matter if it's on an Apple device or not. I think it, when it comes to when it comes to like contact tracing and the 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 security side of the world, that's what that ad was a response to. And people don't want their cameras hacked and, you know, mm-hmm. people getting into their personal lives via a hacker or anything like that, which mm-hmm. is, you know, with the social media era, we're taking so many pictures of, you know, dumb things that we never were before. Yeah. You know, I, th- yeah. I think I've taken because remember back in the day, a photo was a just this really treasured commodity, right? You had your little mm-hmm. Kodak 24 picture camera. Right. And you might get ten good ones out of the whole reel, and uh, it better. It, and it better was expensive have been a to develop, right? Yeah, it, and it better have been like a really good moment if you were going to use one of those twenty-four shots from your rotating Kodak mm-hmm. disposable camera. And, you know, it, it had to be a mm-hmm. real good thing, like you know, your friend giving you know two people a piggyback ride at the same time or something. Like it yeah. had to be. It had the right. big stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. Now yeah. we're taking pictures of, you know, if we have a weird looking water bottle and right. uh, sending it to all of our friends. <laughs> Whatever. Dude, my so Leah is going through her phone right now and deleting pictures from months and months ago because she wants to like I'm supposed to send her pictures and we're gonna like print off some like mm-hmm. real nice like 
frames and stuff like that prints yeah and put them up and so she was telling me she was like or she put her phone down today she's like good I'm, i'm done with march of this year i was like what march like you you it has taken you that long because she's been doing this for probably four days now i was like it took you that long just to get through march and i i I mean i have probably 25 photos on my on my phone i just don't you don't want to know how many i have on mine i don't take pictures like i'm just like i'm here i see it like i'll remember that and if i don't then like okay but Mm -hmm. also because there's, I'm usually with people and they're mm-hmm. going to be taking pictures and I know I'm going to get that picture sent to me or it's going to be up on someone's wall. Like right. just because we're so loose with our picture taking now, I know I'm going to see it. So I just don't take pictures, but right. I mean, there's nothing interesting on my phone picture wise, but I just could not believe like if I sat down right now and went through my photos and needed to just pick five that I needed to keep on my phone. I could probably do that in five minutes, maybe <laughs> five minutes. I'd be through the entire thing be like, okay, keep these five. I don't even remember the other ones. It took, I mean, she's still going through her pictures. That's how many she takes. She even said at one point, she's like, I can't believe I've taken just, just so many pictures. <laughs> like, what am I even taking these of? Like some of them are just like the random water bottle or like someone <laughs> with a goofy face or just like my foot. It's just like, we just have so much junk on our phone and but, we don't even realize it. But here's the thing is that not only do we have it on our phone, but people, cause pictures are cheap. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all getting uploaded. People have it on their Instagram, have it on their facebook on their twitter on their and that's all stuff that people are these companies are using right yeah monetize people's personal lives what a genius right? the thing we all do live life they've found a way to monetize and make it, it. in a way and make the platform in a way that you want to post it because mm-hmm. you have that dopamine hit of oh people are going to look at it and then when people give you the like you get that dopamine hit it's like oh i should post another picture because they'll like that right Tell you what, oh. that dopamine that was hitting when they told me I had a future in talk radio. <laughs> ah, there we go. There we go. Um, Drink. So, so I, I had a question for you guys. What did you think about the ending of the case study family? Did you think I, that it was a little yeah. unrealistic? <laughs> I was going to mention something if it didn't get brought up, but I thought I was going to ask you guys something similar. Like, it was it heavy-handed like was it couldn't we have had a something a little more realistic with what happens or i mean and i know this is getting this is kind of going the darker route here but kind of going based off what jonathan height was saying earlier about the suicide rates that would have been more believable to have this guy maybe do something that extreme rather than going to a protest and getting arrested which i thought was a little heavy-handed i i watching it i thought to myself like is it are you really saying that if you get if you consume too much social media you'll get arrested like that's kind of the steps in logic that i was following but i thought it was a little ridiculous that he went to a protest and got arrested i i would have liked it to end a different way because i got what they were trying to say like it's dangerous like you could do things that you don't really want to do and it wasn't really his fault 
that was mm-hmm. like they were both kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. So even then, the message kind of was missed on my end. But I don't know what okay. that guy could also have been the message as well. Not his fault. Still arrested. I mean, it could have been, but that's not. I don't so going real. I think yeah. I think they were. If that was the message, then that was not their message the entire show up to that point. Right. <laughs> I was saying in that. So <laughs> right, right. So I brought it up because for me, I took something a little, I didn't think it was too heavy handed. I thought it was kind of tame. And the reason why I say that is, um, Cody knows like my previous job, I worked federal government, Homeland security. Right. And with the terrorism side of that place, like one of the things they talk about is how, ISIS was because at the time ISIS was recruiting hard, right? They did all the recruitment essentially on Facebook. Okay. And you had people leaving Western countries and going in Syria and fighting for the caliphate over there because of Facebook. They they got connected mm-hmm. on Facebook. And and I went on their this the documentary's website. And when it comes to that, the thing that they're talking about is the what they call the discrimination delay dilemma mm. and they they cite a internal facebook report from 2018 they don't give a link to the actual report so i'm take this worth a grain of salt but it says 64 percent of people who join extremist groups on on facebook did so because the algorithm steered them there mm. and yeah. i think that was the point that they were making was here you had this kid who he got sucked back in because of the 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 crush had a new boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And then the algorithm started pushing him towards this more extreme conversation and content when it came to one side of the what a social political conversation that's going on in the theoretical world, and and because they. They calculated this has this this amount of likelihood to keep him on the platform. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. feeds into the whole depending on where you are or what you're looking at is going to like that's that's what you're gonna see something different than someone in the same room as you. Okay. The depending on what you're looking at, you're gonna see some something different than your neighbor. So you are seeing a completely different set of facts when it comes to what's being put out there and what I like for me seeing that like him going to the protest is a culmination of just him being his attention being bombarded with just a certain narrative and him going there is kind of like for me it was here you have an individual who this is hitting him. This is hitting him. So now he's acting instead of just doing this all virtually. Now he's taking action in real life. And those, those actions can have unintended consequences on not just that individual, but the individual, the individuals who are close to him that with the sister getting arrested also for trying to stop him. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think I, that message I thought was kind of like 
the the big thing and that kind of goes along with the suicide thing too where it's here what happens on social media platforms what happens digitally doesn't stay digital it manifests into the physical world when people decide to act on what they've been feeding their brains with right and what those look like can look very different and i mean the the teen suicide rates is a great example of that the the cyberbullying and the 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 diminishment of self-esteem because of social media platforms manifests physically with people getting depressed cutting um attempting suicide uh, committing suicide right uh with a, a committing suicide being the ultimate culmination of what's been going on in the digital world and i think with like what's going on in our world now when it comes to all the different narratives that are going on when it comes to covid race relations the election okay there people are intaking all of this information but it's not all the information it's this segment of the information and what you take in visually in in media and auditory what what you feed your body is going to affect how you see the world um Mm. and when that manifests into people taking action it has real life consequences Mm. um which i think is lost in the younger generation because social media for us is an extension right it's kind of it's not our lives it's like this like this but but for the the younger generation it's this augmentation of reality okay it's not just real life it's real life through the lens of yeah or it's digital. better than real life right um yeah, so yeah i agree with everything you just said yeah you know an an interesting thing too i don't know if you guys noticed this but back in the early days of social media um it seemed like it seemed like for a while, and maybe this is just the demographic we grew up in, but for a long time, it was mainly if you had a group of people hanging out, guys and girls, the people who were sucked into the phones or really sucked into the social media stuff, it was the girls for like a long time. And I remember the guys just being like, oh, what are we going to do? Other things, right? We'll, we'll watch the football game. The girls will do their thing on the phones. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's everybody, you know, it's like, um, and I think where you've, you've seen it is, is for, cause I think a lot of times, as far as we look at ourselves, guys versus girls, girls are very much into, especially as teenagers, I'm talking about like teenage girls, teenage boys, uh, teenage girls are very much into like the approval of, of themselves. Right. And in, for a long time, it was, you know, you'd go home and you'd chat with people all night on AOL instant messenger. And then it was text messaging. And then it was Facebook. And now it's Instagram for, for a lot of people getting that feedback loop. Right. And, Hmm. and it's just one of those things where it's, it's interesting because it, it kind of went and it found a way to target, you know, college and then young people, but, but it's an interesting thing I think that now it's it's just it's 
part of like when I see when I see young guys just totally on their phones and like an all group of guys, to me it's weird because yeah. I just remember like if you were having like a a hangout and you were the dude texting your girlfriend on the phone, <laughs> you were like yeah. you're like, what are you doing, man? And the you reason I know this because I was that guy a lot of times. <laughs> yes, right? you were. Like, Get off the phone. <laughs> You know, like, like, dude, come on. And to me, I don't know. Maybe some people will say that this is just, you know, the, the patriarchy, you know, it needed to die, whatever. I don't I don't know whatever your opinions are. But but <laughs> I don't know. There's something there's something to me that's really cool about that time in life to where you did just sit in a room with your best friends and just hang out and mm -hmm. talk about stupid stuff and just enjoy one another. And this is, you know, maybe it was watching a football game or whatever, but whatever you were doing when you were with people collectively, you were all doing it together. And I remember if you were the dude on the phone with your girlfriend or whatever, you were get you were getting a hard time. Like, oh man, like, look at this loser. Like someone's phone, they're like, <laughs> oh, he's gotta take it. <laughs> She's calling. That's so true, though. I love you. Right? That was another thing, right? As soon mm. as the guy answers the phone, all the guys in the room, love you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or yeah, whatever. The thing is, is that you were definitely the guy on the phone, and I was one of those people screaming love you in the room. <laughs> oh, I know. I know who I know who was who. Mm. Um, but, but, dude, now it's like group video chat or group TikTok. Like, it's yeah, it's like that. Videos. Now you do it together. It's like, this is why we hang <laughs> out. Like is like so we can all be on your phone together. There's still there's still that majesty of seeing yourself on a screen. You would think now that we've been able to put ourselves on a screen and watch ourselves for a long time we'd be a little bit disenchanted with it. But mm. there's just something about seeing people on screens. They're way more interesting on a screen than they are in person. Um mm. I don't know why. Oh, I, I will, will say, say that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I will say that people are way more interesting at an amusement park. Um, <laughs> so if you like watching people and you don't want to watch people on screen, go to an amusement park and just observe. Try not to be creepy or anything, but just observe. Like you see some of the funniest things. Like if you get a chance, <laughs> if you got the budget to go to Disney World, if it's even open, I don't know. Like the happiest place on earth is like hilarious the place on because earth. it's also the most miserable place on earth especially if you go around a, like late april all the families who had that late <laughs> spring break you know and got the discount tickets when it's starting to get real hot there's a lot of unhappiness going down at disney oh, world yes. late april you know it's like a scorching 98 degrees the humidity's going up quite a bit you got families coming up from northeast ohio who are still used to like 40 degrees and then you're you're getting a nice good bake. Um, mm. Are you speaking the, from experience? All the meanwhile, sweating out all fluids, you know. Um, mm. You know, I I am speaking from experience. Although when I did that, I had a fantastic time um, because Leo was just a baby, and we were like, oh well, you know, we got to go give him a nap for a little bit. So we would take breaks throughout the day because we were close to the the park. So we'd go mm -hmm. in and out, um, and and it was chill. But like the the parents who were trying to do it all, like I spent a hundred bucks to get each of you in here. We're standing in line at the Little Mermaid. You're gonna be happy. We're gonna do this ride. If it closes down, we're waiting for it to open. Okay. So you know, I don't care what now you have smile. to say. We're going under the sea. 
You're going to be happy. I want to hear laughter. <laughs> oh, I will say the people who are doing these dance videos on the internet, they're extremely talented because I can't do any of that. So I will give them props. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a little ridiculous. But can they play Guitar Hero? That's what <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> dude, do you remember when you picked up Rock Band? Like, that was our hangout thing. Rock Band and COD. <laughs> dude, Rock Band was not just my hangout thing. That was my life. Like, so I would play it when people were over. But I would also play it by myself <laughs> yeah. all the time. <laughs> I was determined out of all of my friends, I needed to be the best at something. Rock band, I was very close. There were very uh -oh. few people better at me than than rock band. I don't know what I'm <laughs> that last sentence wasn't coming together. So <laughs> you guys can fill in the blanks. I, um I'm still working on my future and talk radio. Right, so. right. Still working on that. Uh, we have the technology added out. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> no, so, but, but going along with this and going back to our topic, I think something that's really interesting too is how many, like social media, not only is like the, the social aspect isn't just you hang out with your friends, right. And sharing stuff between them. But I've seen friendships and groups of friends split up because of something that was said on social media, right? And, and it's like, to me, it's interesting because I've seen, and, and Cody knows this because we've talked about this on Raking Coals, um, but I've seen people say things to other people who they consider friends that they normally see at least once a week that they would never say in person. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah, there's this weird confidence behind a computer screen that I still don't understand. Yeah. I, and, I mean, we make, we. It, it just frustrates me when you have people who are making decisions and saying things on social media, and I, and it seems like they don't fully think about what the repercussions are. Right. Hmm. And I, th I think I think something that's really important that this documentary tried to highlight, and I think it did a really good job when it comes to it, is that. And, and we kind of talked about it a little bit before, but what happens on social media does not stay on social media. Right. Um, For sure. Yeah. I mean, when you yeah. look at this explosion of fake news, when you have like these other I mean, what is it? The statistic is the amount of disinformation campaigns on social media by other countries inside the United States has doubled in the past two years. Wow. Um, and, and I mean, how many politicians and actors and athletes have had their careers ruined because of something they posted on social media, right? Oh, or something yeah. they didn't <laughs> post and someone claimed that they post. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that brings up like, so they talk about AI, right? They talk about this where AI is becoming more and more mainstream when it comes to business processes and like mm. back back end processes when it comes to just technology, right? Right. Um, and, and that brings, I mean, you'll you're going to see an increase in deep fake videos, right? 
which are mm-hmm. faked video videos that are faked by AI to look almost as real as the person actually saying what the video says they're saying. Right. Hmm. Um, and de- it, deep fakes could be another conversation for another day. Um, but, but what do you do when the technology gets so good that you can't determine what's real and what's not without having a technology degree? Um, yeah. What, what, what does the world look like then? Hmm. Okay, because I guarantee you, social media. Well, I mean, the- it could all look like one person if the deep fakes are that good. The world's gonna look all like the right. most beautiful person, <laughs> the perfect human. I mean, uh, I'm trying to. I, there was a politician in Europe that had a scandal with a deep fake, and I'm trying to remember who they were. Well, Joe Rogan had one that did he? It, yeah, it was like a. Uh, I think it was more of just this is what a deep fake can do. It wasn't he wasn't saying anything scandalous or anything like that, but someone posted on YouTube a deep fake video of him like an AI just because I mean Joe Rogan has any word that Joe has right. in his vocabulary has been said on his right. podcast. So mm-hmm. you're literally an AI is working with the entire vocabulary of a person. Mm-hmm. And just kind of strung it all together. And there were some moments where it's like, oh, that's kind of a weird sentence. But it was coherent. I mean, it sounded just mm-hmm. like Joe. And I think this is where, this is kind of the scary side of it, is what is now stopping intelligent scammers from using a deep fake like that to use your voice to set like scenario here's a scenario you your grandma gets a call from you and it's it sounds just like you and it's like grandma i'm in trouble i need 500 dollars, and it sounds just like you it, it, that's something that team. happens all the time yeah people are so, pulling that scam yeah exactly and so but then that's like kind of the next level of what mm-hmm. these deep fakes can do is start and I mean, it's it's kind of human nature to always think of the negatives first, because I'm sure right. there's some positives out there and some great ways you can use artificial intelligence with defakes to do. So. I mean, you can bring back uh, like singers and, or something. Yeah, something like that. And just have hear that what he right. actually sounded like and like mm-hmm. what he would have said during the Gettysburg Address and stuff. But I just, it, that's an interesting point. And, and it's kind of on that too, because you were talking about like fake news and fake this and that. I thought it was funny during the movie that, and you can think and say whatever you want about Donald Trump, but he, from the beginning, was saying fake news, fake news, fake news. And that became like a mantra to people. And the left obviously hated it because it's like, but we're news sources we're we're the last bastion of truth and then we're they had a the big company yeah we're a company that are sponsored us. by advertisers how could we lie and then you have the right going like fake 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 and it ended up <laughs> he was kind of right as much as you think and say what you want about him he kind of was right about you go on facebook and you see certain ads and certain news articles catered to you and that's kind of what that guy with the dreadlocks, I can't remember his name in the movie, but he was my favorite guy. He like he was 
awesome. But the dude with the dreadlocks was saying, imagine going on Wikipedia and all three of us go on and I see completely different articles than you guys because I'm it's catering to what my internet footprint mm-hmm. is. And we get all different information about mm-hmm. maybe even the same subjects because mm-hmm. it's just going to cater to whatever your preferences are. And I think right. I think that's I mean Donald Trump was kind of right. I hate to admit but he was kind of right on the whole fake news thing because It's always painful to admit that Donald Trump was right. <laughs> I know. And you know he, you know he just stumbled into it. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've been saying that for years." But I mean, he was still right. <laughs> he was still Hard right. So. Yeah. But I think that's that's the another issue we're going to come up against here in two more months and even the next election i think this will be kind of a habitual thing until there's a law written or laws written about what social media companies and platforms can and can't do and they said that too like the laws for these things lag years behind Mm -hmm. the content because you have i think i said this on one of our podcasts earlier cody or maybe we were just talking off mic about it but you got these 25-year-old people developing these ultra-powerful social media platforms and algorithms and code. and I mean, they're literally writing another language for this computer intelligence to use. And then you have these old, <laughs> like 70-year-old people looking at this and going, oh, well, we got to make a law, but I have... I'm still figuring out how to turn my computer on. Like you, that's kind of the disconnect we've got here. Like you got well, you, people who can't figure out the computer trying to write laws for guys right. writing algorithms. Well, you, do you remember the Zuckerberg Senate hearing? Mm-hmm. And you have you have a very prominent senator go, "What is a cookie?" On the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, you're just, like I, he's like, I don't know what I'm even saying. <laughs> what is what is the internet and and. I mean, that's basically what they're asking. What is now, Mr. Zuckerberg? Uh, I got a question here. In layman's terms, what is the internet? And you got it like the creator of Facebook explaining this to you. Right. We need to bring Mrs. Fields in here or something (laughs) to talk about these cookies. Come on, guys. But I I, I will say that's what I did want to talk about that, though. It's like. They made a really good point in the documentary. If social media, if these social media companies, if these internet companies are going to step in to the pla- to to essentially take over the platform mm-hmm. that traditional media companies have had when it comes to election advertisement, right? When it comes to or, or political advertising, when it comes to children's education, when it comes to all of these things you would think that they would thus be accountable to the laws for those. I mean, but they're not, they're not regulated the same way because they're, they haven't been seen as they're seen as a separate entity from regular mainstream media. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing I hope that this documentary accomplishes is that it starts a conversation Native, with with people like us who talk about like what is acceptable in a social media what what is good what is wrong what 
what do we want our representatives in Washington, D.C. to be fighting for, right? Because we live in a, in a democratically elected republic. We have representatives who are supposed to be advocating our interests in our, in our federal government. And unless we start talking about it, unless we sit there and say, hey, if, you, if this platform is going to essentially take over all political advertising, because social media kind of has, okay, because I don't watch cable, I don't see the stuff or network TV. So for me, if I'm going to see a political advertisement, it's probably going to be on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. if they're going to take over and be the, the prime platform for this, mm-hmm. shouldn't they be accountable to the, the election campaign um, finance rules and political advertising rules that every other media company has to follow? Um, Cody, you brought up advertising to your kids, right? Mm-hmm. And YouTube kids. They, they brought up the fact that back in the day, they said, you cannot advertise to children like this okay because it 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 it's wrong and social media companies youtube they don't have to for the most part follow a lot of those rules because youtube will argue we don't create the content we just aggregate it right the content creators the people who are publishing this stuff on our sites are the ones who are ultimately responsible for what gets posted on youtube what gets posted on Facebook, what gets posted. And essentially they've kind of said, our hands are clean. We just post it. Okay. We don't, we, we, we provide a platform for you to post it. You're the one who's responsible for the, for, for making sure that you follow the laws on the content that you're creating. Mm -hmm. And it kind of says, I, I mean, it kind of goes along with their point of these, these companies are saying, this is a problem that we are we ourselves are the only ones equipped to fix. So let us do that. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to give the person with who can push the button and dis, destroy the world. Okay, I'm going to give him the button when he wants to destroy the button, or destroy the world, right? I'm going to give Blofeld, James Bond reference, okay, the button to nuke nuke Washington D.C. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So I want to I want to ask you guys this um, as we're kind of getting to two hours here, we should probably start making our slow decline here into uh, finishing. So I want to ask you guys this. Why did you go on social media in the first place? And what keeps you there? Because we know all the information now. We, we, we know a lot about what's going on here. Why continue to use it? You guys might think this is kind of funny, but social media, it all began because of uh, because of a girl, you know? That's where it all starts. Figured that. Um, it all starts because of a girl. Uh, because of a girl who told me all about MySpace back in 2005, I think it was, in the eighth grade. Mm. And I created a MySpace, and I had a friend who was a wizard with computers for an eighth grader. And... Uh, I thought MySpace was just so cool because you could make your profile page and you could customize it. You could put in like a little HTML code 
to add a background. You could have a you could have a song that played when your mind. Do you guys That's remember right. that? Heck yeah, I remember that. <laughs> MySpace page was open and a song played. Mine was Breaking and- Benjamin. <laughs> Diary of Jane. Yeah, probably. I was hardcore <laughs> back then, man. Oh my I was goodness, hardcore, dude. Middle school, I was rocking out to Breaking Benjamin. I thought I was the baddest kid in school. And Nobody remember, listened to that. We, wasn't everybody also friends with the founder? Yeah, everyone yeah, was friends with Tom. Tom, man, Tom is a genius. He's your first friend. And, uh, so. So started a MySpace profile page and holy cow, man, like if I could dig this thing up, the angst of the eighth grade Cody, the, uh, mm. the emo, I mean, emo punk, punk, pop, punk, pop, punk, pop. And, and emo <laughs> yeah. and emo were just like on the daily, you know, Hawthorne Heights, <laughs> one hit wonder, Ohio is for lovers, like cut my wrist and black my eyes yeah. in my ears every day. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I remember, I remember like back in the day, like, I don't know if you guys notice or whatever, but parallel quest is a clean podcast. You don't really hear, you don't really hear any vulgar language out of my mouth or Zach's mouth or, you know, Josh, we've had to censor him a lot this episode, but we, we should have cleaned it up, uh, through via editing, um, by now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, wasn't always the case. I used to be a little uh, sailor boy, you know, cursing. And so I remember my MySpace profile page was basically full of all the witty profanity that an eighth grader can come oh, up with, yeah. right? <laughs> so I remember I had this like layout and whatever, um, had it looking all cool. And my mom one day, she probably heard some like news article hit piece about someone who was like hunted down and killed because of their MySpace profile. I don't know exactly why, but she was like, Cody, do you have one of those MySpace things I keep hearing about in MySpace? And of course, like any honest son, I said, no. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Never heard of it. What is it? I what? (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know, kind of got out of it. And then one day I was on MySpace and she came into the computer. See, this is another thing. Not super smart. We had a public computer space in my house. And so so typically I'd sneak on MySpace when, you know, mom or or my stepdad were in another room. Right. And they didn't they couldn't see what I was doing. Right. Just basically perusing through. I mean, basically it's stalking. Right. We've been practicing stalking people uh, just just in a less egregious manner for a long time. And uh, just going through people's profiles, seeing like, oh, hey, what's going on with this person? Oh, look at that. They've got, they got, this. oh, look, they took this quiz. They posted this quiz on their profile. MySpace was the the dumbest thing. Um, like, at least how an eighth grader used it, right? Yeah. But anyway, so I ended up getting caught. And uh, mom saw the profanity uh, on the MySpace page and, uh, <laughs> angsty. uh, oh man, was I in trouble? <laughs> and so anyway, I was told I had to delete my MySpace page and, uh, I pretended to, but didn't really. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and just close and, out of the browser. There you go. It's deleted. <laughs> and stuck with MySpace for a while. And then I remember, you know, kind of weeding myself off of MySpace or whatever. And then the Facebook comes out and, uh, and I was like, Oh, what is this? What is this poor man's MySpace? Can't even custom <laughs> can't even customize your page. Poor can't put man. any custom graphics. No, no song. What is this? <laughs> you know, I'm like, 
remember when people were showing me Facebook, I was like, this is trash, okay? Like, this is garbage. MySpace is where it is at. You can have a song and custom backgrounds, right? And so, anyway, of course, eventually a girl ends up convincing me to get Facebook so that, you know, we can be official on Facebook relationship status-wise. And, and that was the beginning. Um, so that I could have a um, digitally stamped and approved relationship status um, in the world, I created a Facebook page in 2008, 2007. I'm not sure. It was one of those years. But uh, yeah. And the reason I stick with the platform is because I actually do think that social media is a really cool way to share the creative things that you're doing. Um, If you're political on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I mean, that's... That's fine, I guess, if that's your thing. But I highly encourage people to express more of who you are on social media. And, like, if you're going to use it, be social, right? Yeah. Like, social media is, like, no longer social. It's, like, I'll post this and hope for some likes. Like, I remember back in the day, you kind of you had to, like, comment to get some interaction going or whatever. Like, be social on there. Say something. Um, Have an original thought. You know, share the cool things you're creating. And I think that that's where social media can be really cool. It's also really addicting. Um, Just know that at the end of the day, they want to keep you on the platform as long as possible. And um, you're going to have to consciously tell yourself to turn it off because there's always going to be something to scroll through uh, because there's a lot of people out there. Billions of people on Facebook, I think, aren't they up to like 2 billion Accounts or something crazy oh like that. God. It's like one third of the world's population is on it. Oof. Oof. It's nuts. But anyway, that was just a little fun story. It all started with MySpace, and I thought MySpace was the you know the OG. The OG um, but Facebook just came in and stomped it, stomped mm-hmm. it out. Hard. But what about you guys? How'd you get how'd you get involved in all this mess? Go ahead, Josh. Okay, so mine was more out of oh weird sense of necessity uh, so cody i don't know if we were friends at this time but i was a sophomore in high school and my family we we were going to go visit our family in egypt for the first time ever and we left like the first week of december and we weren't going to be back until like at least mid-january and back then i mean even now there was no like there was no messenger, there was no WhatsApp. Like it was, if you wanted to communicate with people long distance, you had to pay for long distance, right? It was super, super expensive. And my mom actually, she she's just like, well, you could sign up for Facebook so that you can keep in touch with your friends, and then we can keep in touch with the family here in the states, and not have to pay for <laughs> pay the long distance fees to make the phone calls. Because at the time, it was like. I think it was like a dollar seventy five a minute on the phone. Holy cow! <laughs> I mean, it was. I it's even now it's still super expensive if you're making an actual long distance phone call, which is kind of unheard of. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's why I got on Facebook um, was to keep in touch with like friends and make sure like because at the same time too like. I was gone. I left right at like I was going to be coming back to school 
the day before midterms. So like my friends were sending me, my friends from school were sending me my homework assignments through Facebook. Okay. And that's how I was keeping up with my schoolwork while I was gone. Cause when I got back, I had to turn it all into my teachers. So okay. like for me, it was like, this is the cheapest way to stay in communication with people. Um, but yeah, no, fast forward. Like I didn't want to get a Twitter. Cody forced me to do that. Um, <laughs> I was super such a good friend. <laughs> I was super late on the game with Instagram. I never had a, never had a MySpace. Um, oh man, you missed out. <laughs> Golden <man>. age. <laughs> I remember when t- Snapchat came on, I was on for about a month and then deleted it because I thought it was stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not active on Twitter anymore. So the only two social media platforms I use are Instagram and Facebook, which are essentially owned by Facebook and then YouTube. And the reasons why I'm still on there now is with E43 Collective and Ranking Coles, I post daily content, Bible verses, videos, stuff like that on there on both platforms. Um, I also like when I was, when we were doing youth group, I was, the admin of that church's Facebook page. Well, church I go to now I've with COVID and stuff, we've been posting all of our content sermons, um, like Bible study videos, stuff like that onto the platforms for the people that go to our church so that they can still see it if they can't get to church. Um, so that's, that's really why I, like I don't go on Facebook almost ever to do anything personal. It's almost all, podcast or church instagram on the other hand i do like post i let i love taking photos cody can tell you i'm a decent photographer um you're so, good photo- <laughs> i almost said photographer you're a good photographer, <laughs> you're a good photographer. um so you're a good i photographer there josh <laughs> i do enjoy posting stuff on instagram and look, and Cody will also tell you, I love seeing memes on Instagram and I will send them to him when I think they're funny. Um, <laughs> so, so those are really the two social media platforms that I'm, I'm using now. Um, and then YouTube, hmm. I, I'm on YouTube. I watch the videos that I want to watch. I have my certain channels that I subscribe to and I don't watch really anything off of, off of that list. So. That's me. <laughs> Zach. All right. Well, I am very similar to Cody's story. My journey <laughs> down the social media path started on MySpace. And as I mentioned before, I had Breaking Benjamin blasting when he came on my page. <laughs> I would change it up every now and then from like Diary of Jane to simple design that was still that still is my favorite breaking benjamin song but i wasn't on myspace for any relational aspect i wasn't on it for a girl wasn't really on it to connect with friends i was on it because i was a young budding entrepreneur and i wanted everyone to know i was making snowboard videos and so i got on to MySpace because I wanted to post clips of my snowboarding adventures and clips of my friends and I in the uh, skate park 
or the uh, snowboard park over at Brandywine Boston Mills. And so I got on there because I wanted to promote my content <laughs> early, early on promoting my content. So from you're, there, you're an original, original creator. I was, I, I mean, and the thing is I couldn't really figure out how to get the videos on all the time. And I couldn't really like, I was just kind of promoting. And then, and then what I promoted after that. So I got on, was doing my snowboard videos, my shred videos. And that around the same time I was getting really into paintball. And so then everything changed when I created my paintball team. And it was just like me and my two buddies. And we were all pretty awful at paintball, but we're like, we're an official team. We're team vanquish. We go once a month (laughs) to play. And so then I started promoting my, my paintball team. And shortly after that, I kind of lost interest in MySpace. Um, and that's about the time Facebook came out. And I joined Facebook because my my youth group friends were all getting on it. And I, I was kind of late to the game because they'd all had it already and they were talking about it and stuff. And so I was like, I'm going to kind of wait this one out because I was like, we got MySpace. I kind of did that for a little bit. Nobody watched my videos. Nobody cared about my stuff. So I'm going to wait a little bit. And I think it was my... It was my junior year of high school is when I got Facebook for the first time. And I had, no, no, it was my sophomore year because I remember my first picture that of my profile picture is me in my Jackson polar bear baseball uniform. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know what you put up there. So I just, my dad took a picture of me in front of our wall and I'm wearing my baseball hat and my uniform. And I'm like, okay, this is what this is what the people are gonna see. This is what I'm gonna show them right out of the gate. And since then, I I don't really use face. I mean, I really don't use any social media to be honest. I use it to promote. <laughs> still, still promoting stuff. I use it to promote Steel Lake Studio stuff or like our content. But my addiction lies in Reddit. I am way i got i actually deleted it off my phone a month ago i think because i realized every time i got on my phone i was going to the app to just see the feed and i realized i wasn't really using reddit for anything other than just reading the headlines and then forming my opinion based on just like these ridiculous clickbaity headlines and i was getting angry i was like actually getting mad at like the people that would comment under it, I'd be like, you don't know anything like lives in mom's basement, five forty two. Like, you don't <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like you got into the Reddit rabbit hole. Dude, I got into it, man. <laughs> and I, I have only have ever had one argument on Reddit and I got heated. And it's so strange, man, because then at the end of it, I realized in the middle of, well, not at the end of the argument, but in the middle of the argument, I realized I can just end this just by stopping talking. Like I just stop talking, stop responding. And this whole thing ends. And I can just be like, I'm right. I'm not going to respond to you. And so I, I recently deleted Reddit because I wasn't, it wasn't beneficial anymore to me. It led me, I, I will say Reddit has some really good, smaller subreddits are, are really good. They're really 
informational driven. They're usually good communities. It's actually how I found my, my illustrator, my cover designer for my book coming out. It was off of Reddit. So I, I do owe Reddit some gratitude, but more often than not, dude, it's just, it's trolls, it's bots, it's people just yelling into the void and the most clickbaity headlines get pushed to the top and people just argue. So I, I I would say that Reddit was probably my most influential and most addictive social media platform of my life because I got it in college and now recently stopped trying to stop getting like getting on it. But I still find that when I open up the internet browser on my computer, I go right to Reddit and I, I'm trying to break that habit. Like I'll, I've caught myself a few times typing the R and seeing the autofill and being like, nope, nope, not getting on it. Got to I'm going to go to YouTube and listen to like chill hop videos or something. Cause that's <laughs> literally my entire YouTube fa- page is just filled with like recommended chill hop, lo-fi channels. So it's, it's good, <laughs> but yeah, man. So I started with MySpace and ended with Reddit and hopefully can keep that under wraps there. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing guys. Hey, I want to share with you guys my favorite social media post I ever made. You ready for this? You made this? I made this. Oh, man. I'm worried right now. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's nothing crazy. It's just something Wait, is this what we just talked about like a few days ago? No. Okay. Because I don't... You'll have to remind me what that is, but that's not this. Someone's stealing your idea. So I was, you know, I was like cryptic, cryptic social media before cryptic social media was a thing, Um, you know, before LeBron was subtweeting all day. Um, So but this is Facebook. I used to use Facebook like people use Twitter now. And that's back when Facebook was a little better. Um, So I have this tweet. It says, I want to ask a J or an S so that I can go to the B. Does anyone know what the tweet, uh, what the Facebook post means? I want to ask a J or or an S. This is a very like Christian culture thing. Psycho. Oh. This is March 28th, 2011. J or an S? Is this like in reference to a song? No. No. <laughs> is this Dude, that this is next level? <laughs> is this that you were trying to ask out you you weren't you wanted to ask out one of the, these two girls? No, no, no. Oh, that would be great. No, no. (laughs) Cut the mics. All right. (laughs) So so anyway, um, no, it was for junior senior banquet while I was in college, which I I started a campaign for the name change to be changed to college prom. But uh, I wanted to I want to ask a junior or a senior so that I can go to the banquet. That's what it was. I wanted to go to JSB and I was a sophomore. (laughs) Did anyone get it? No, No, not a single person. (laughs) Somebody, somebody responded with all question marks, and then, and then my uh, my aunt told me to ask the J. (laughs) You should ask your friend J. Ask J. (laughs) But anyway, one of my favorite social media posts. That's great, man. Fun uh, fact about my social media, my profile picture on Facebook is not of me and it has never changed. 
I didn't realize you've never changed it. I've never, I, once a profile, like, so my profile picture on Facebook is a panda and I'm tagged as the panda in the back of the picture, not the main subject. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But it has never changed. And like, so I kind of took that and said like all of my social media posts, like they're all like a bear of some sort. And once it's up, I don't change it. I don't care. Doesn't care. He's a bear. That's right. Bear man. Oh, Good man. stuff, guys. Guys, that was an all over the place conversation, but thank you uh, for doing this. This was fun. A little social dilemma action going on, but mm. uh, we're just going to wrap up. We're going to end quick here and just say thanks for listening. If you guys get a chance, head over to steellakestudio.com. We're not going to do our typical closing stuff. We're just going to say goodbye because I'm getting a little hot and sweaty. <laughs> and uh, in the studio, it's getting a little warm. So, you guys all want to say goodbye? Adios. Thanks, guys. See you next time, everybody. Thank you guys so much for sticking in there till the end and hanging out with us on this episode. Please be sure to head over to steelakestudio.com see what we have going on over there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Jake Butler for providing our bumper music, and we'll see you next time on Parallel Quest.